Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is Season 6, so sit back and enjoy. Listen to some stories of the weird, of the odd, of the strange and unusual some ghost stories, some cryptid stories, some just strange stuff. Again, welcome to Season 6. Enjoy! For many of us, though by no means all, in our younger years one of the most played games during sleepovers or party gatherings was Bloody Mary. It was performed by several brave souls who closed themselves up in a darkened bathroom, or bedroom I would suppose, lighted a candle and gazed intently into the mirror while calling out three times for Bloody Mary. The outcome was to be satisfied when the vision of Bloody Mary would appear in the mirror. But wait, if she appears in the mirror, does that mean she's captured in the mirror? Or is she in the room with you? If she has become corporeal or real, how does one keep her from attaching to the one who called her up? Apparently, it's as simple as this. One quotes a phrase that says, Bloody Mary, I am free of thee. Then turn the lights on, blow out the candle, and leave the room. If it were that simple to get rid of a spiritual attachment. There are untold young people who have played this game and who have been forever changed for the worse and others who suffer long-term effects from this game. This is the form of scrying. S-C-R-Y-I-N-G. Scrying, also known by various names such as seeing or peeping, is the practice of looking into a suitable medium in the hope of detecting significant messages or visions. The objective might be personal guidance, prophecy, revelation, or inspiration. But down the ages, Scrying in various forms has also been a means of divination or fortune-telling. It remains popular in occult circles, discussed in many media, both modern and centuries old. The classic grind of fortune-tellers using crystal balls to tell the futures of the poor unfortunates who believe in them is a form of scrying. Mirrors have also 
been used in much the same way to get in touch with persons who have died in order to get information about the seeker's future. So many rulers and persons in power over the years have relied on fortune tellers to help them first gain power, then to help them keep power. Whether there was really any truth to or power in these stories is a matter of personal belief. I have my own beliefs about these types of people. Queen Elizabeth I was one ruler who was ready to use any assistance to maintain both her backside on the throne of England and her virginal young head on her virginal young body. An obsidian spirit mirror used by a confidant of Queen Elizabeth I is actually a product of the Aztec culture, according to new research. An analysis of the obsidian mirror made from volcanic glass and three other similar objects at the British Museum revealed their Mexican origins. The obsidian mirror with the Elizabeth connection belonged to a man named John D. D E E, John D., an advisor of hers from when she became queen in 1558 and through the 1570s. D. served as the queen's astrologer and also consulted with her on science. This included D acting as an advocate of voyages of discovery, establishing colonies, and improving navigation, said Stuart Campbell, who is a study author and professor at the University of Manchester. John D is a remarkable historical figure, a Renaissance polymath, interested in astronomy, alchemy, and mathematics and confidant of Elizabeth I. Later, he became involved in divination and the occult, seeking to talk to angels through the use of scryers, those who divine the future, who used artifacts like mirrors and crystals. While it had been previously suspected that the mirror had been made by the Aztec culture, there were no records accompanying the object to show how it came into Dee's possession. A team of researchers used geochemical analysis to target the four obsidian objects with x-rays. This, in turn, caused the objects to emit x-rays, helping the scientists determine their composition by revealing the elements of the obsidian. In addition to Dee's mirror, they studied two other Aztec mirrors and a rectangular slab of obsidian. The analysis showed that all four were made using Mexican obsidian. Dee's mirror and a similarly designed mirror were made using obsidian from Pachuca, a city that is the source of obsidian the Aztecs used. The third mirror and the slab are made of obsidian from the town of Ucario, another obsidian site in Mexico. The researchers estimate that Dee's mirror is about 500 years old, most likely made in the final decades before Spanish conquest of Mexico in 1521, Campbell said. We know that Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortés sometimes commissioned items from Aztec craftsmen 
so he could send them back to the Spanish court, Campbell said. So it is even possible that some of the circular mirrors, like John Dee's, were specifically made by Aztec craftsmen at the time of the conquest of the Aztec Empire to send back to Europe. While researchers haven't been able to pinpoint the obsidian mirror's intended use in Aztec culture, depictions remain that show circular obsidian mirrors made at this time. They're shown particularly in drawings of the god Tezcatlipoca in place of a missing foot or attached to his chest or head. The mirrors that have survived may well have actually been attached to statues of the god. Tezcatlipoca was the god of divination and providence, among several other things. And the obsidian mirrors were probably much more than simply symbols of power. They also seem likely to have been used for a divinatory process. Tezcatlipoca's name also means smoking mirror. The Aztecs believed that obsidian had a spiritual significance and it was used in their medicinal practices as well as a way to ward off bad spirits or even capture souls by using the reflective nature of the volcanic glass. Items of such significance to the Aztecs would have been intriguing to the Europeans exploring Mexico. The 16th century was a period in which new exotic objects were being brought to Europe from the New World and opening up exciting new possibilities in the intellectual world of the period. D, the first person known to use the term British Empire, would have been fascinated by the idea of the mirrors if he heard stories of how the Aztecs used them. D had an interest in the occult early on, and once he obtained the obsidian mirror, he used it to try communicating with spirits, according to the study. Understanding the origins of the obsidian mirror can help researchers retrace the paths of such objects from a time when appropriation occurred frequently. To me, it helps us understand something of the way in which the European voyages of discovery and engagement with other parts of the world, often through disastrous conquest, was matched by intellectual attempts to understand how the world worked, Campbell said. Novel artifacts brought back to Europe from the Americas entered collections of nobility and of intellectuals and were used and appropriated in the efforts of people who, like John Dee, saw themselves as scientists to understand the world in new ways. During his time as Elizabeth's confidant and advisor, she visited him several times at his home. Dee was considered to be one of the reigning intellectuals of that period. He had the largest library in England and one of the greatest in Europe. The surviving record of the library is actually of major importance in understanding 16th and early 17th century intellectual thought. To Dee, the supernatural was indistinguishable from science. It may have been his growing interest in those areas of study 
that gradually undermined his role in the court by the end of the 1570s. Dee eventually left Elizabeth's service and went on a quest for additional knowledge in the deeper realms of the occult and supernatural. He aligned himself with several individuals who may have been charlatans and traveled throughout Europe and was accused of spying for the English crown. Upon his return to England, he found that his home and his library had been vandalized. He eventually returned to the Queen's service, but was turned away when she was succeeded by James I. He died in poverty in London, and his gravesite is unknown. The Festus disc is a disc of fired clay from the Minoan palace of Festus on the island of Crete, possibly dating to the middle or late Minoan Bronze Age, second millennium BC. The disc is about 5.9 inches in diameter and covered on both sides with a spiral of stamped symbols. Its purpose and its original place of manufacture remain disputed. It is now on display at the Archaeological Museum of Heraklion on the island of Crete. The disc was discovered in 1908 by the Italian archaeologist Luigi Pernier in the Minoan Palace site of Festus and featured 241 tokens comprising 45 distinct signs which were apparently made by pressing hieroglyphic seals into a disk of soft clay in a clockwise sequence spiraling toward the center of the disk. The Festus disk captured the imagination of amateur and professional archaeologists, and many attempts have been made to decipher the code behind the disk's signs. Some have believed the writing should be read from the center outward, while others believe it should be deciphered from the outside in. While it is not clear that it is a script, most attempted decipherments assume that it is. Most additionally assume a syllabary or that certain, certain symbols represent a syllable of a word, others an alphabet or a logo, logo, logography. Attempts at decipherment are generally thought to be unlikely to succeed unless more examples of the signs are found, as it is generally agreed that there is not enough context available for a meaningful analysis. Although the Festus disc is generally accepted as authentic by archaeologists, a few scholars, and there are those, believe that the disc is a forgery or a hoax. The Nebra Sky Disc is a bronze disc of around 12 inches in diameter and a weight of 4.9 pounds, having a blue-green patina and inlaid with gold symbols. These symbols are interpreted generally as the sun or full moon, a lunar crescent, and stars, including a cluster of seven stars interpreted as the Pleiades, two golden arcs along the sides interpreted to mark the angle between the solstices were added later. A final addition was another arc at the bottom with internal parallel lines 
which are of uncertain meaning with various interpretations being offered as the meanings. The disk has been attributed to a site in present-day Germany near Nebra in Saxony-Anhalt. It was originally dated by archaeologists to around 1600 BC, based on the provenance provided by the looters who found it. If that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. The looters also offered other findings for sale with the disc, such as two swords and other tools belonging to the Unetic culture of the time period and location. Researchers initially suggested the disc is an artifact from the Bronze Age Unetic culture, although a later dating of the Iron Age to the Iron Age has also been proposed. If its Bronze Age dating is accurate, the Nebra Sky Disc features the oldest concrete depiction of the cosmos yet known from anywhere in the world. In June 2013, it was included in the UNESCO Memory of the World Register and termed one of the most important archaeological finds of the 20th century. If, however, the Iron Age dating is sustained, that title could go to a star clock in a graves wall painting found in Thebes, Egypt, which is dated to 1463 BC. On November 2021, a replica of the Nebra Sky Disk was launched to the International Space Station on the Crew-3 mission, taken by German astronaut Matthias Maurer. Maurer, who is part of the Euro European mission Cosmic Kiss, designed the mission's patch with inspiration from the Nebra Sky Disk, as well as the Pioneer plaques and Voyager Golden Records that were sent into the unknown, carrying messages from Earth. As an off-the-wall comment, in a 2012 episode of the TV series Midsummer Murders, titled Written in the Stars, a replica of the Nebra Sky Disk, here called the Moonstone Disk, is given much importance and is by characters' descriptions a dead-on description of the Nebra Sky Disk. Interesting how the arts and entertainment industries are cross-referencing with science and history, maybe because they realize that facts can make fiction more believable, at least more interesting. You remember the Voyager spacecrafts that we launched back almost 50 years ago? 40, yeah, 40 some odd years ago. The Voyager Golden Records are two phonograph records that were included aboard both of the Voyager spacecrafts launched in 1977. The records contain sounds and images selected to portray the diversity of life and culture on Earth and are intended for any intelligent extraterrestrial life form who may find them. The records are a sort of time capsule. Although neither Voyager spacecraft is heading toward any particular star, Voyager 1 will pass within 1.6 light years distance of the star Gleis 445, 
currently in the constellation Camelopardalis in about 40,000 years. We got a ways to wait. Carl Sagan, who was put in charge of the project, noted that the spacecraft will be encountered and the record played only if there are advanced spacefaring civilizations in interstellar space. But the launching of this bottle into the cosmic ocean says something very hopeful about life on this planet. The Voyager 1 probe is currently the farthest human-made object from Earth. Both Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 have reached interstellar space, the region between stars where the galactic plasma is present. Like their predecessors, Pioneer 10 and 11, which featured a simple plaque, both Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 were launched by NASA with a message aboard. Again, a kind of time capsule, indeed, intended to communicate to extraterrestrials a story of the humans on Earth. In my somewhat twisted way of thinking, in another couple of thousand years from now, if we've survived that long, there comes a lone simple message from outer, outer space. It says, It's got a good beat and you can dance to it. Of all the archaeological and technological scientific discoveries, the finds such as recounted in these stories make it fun to research. Have a great week.